We're in a series that we're calling Be the Countercultural Church. And the reason is, we know that you all have questions because we have questions that go something like this. What out there in culture should I affirm and adopt? What out there in culture should I participate in, but maybe not prioritize? And what out there in culture should I resist and stand against? My guess is you have those questions, we have those questions. And even though the context of Corinth is very different than our context, the principles that lie behind the specifics are true for us as well as being true for them. Well, we kind of have been in telling you how 1 Corinthians is put together the last couple of weeks, but let me remind you. In the first four chapters, Paul kind of lays a foundation. And then beginning in chapter five, Paul speaks to topic after topic. Some topics answer questions, other topics address problems. Now, how did Paul get the topics and the questions? Like this. The people in Corinth sent a letter to Paul. So Paul's not in Corinth when he writes 1 Corinthians. They sent him a letter with the questions. But also, some members of Chloe's household went to Paul and ratted out what was happening back in Corinth. They said, Paul, you won't believe what's happening back there. Lots of division, disharmony, disruption. And so Paul then fires off this letter laying a foundation and then answering questions and helping them gain a better perspective. Well, a lot of the stuff that shows up in 1 Corinthians chapter seven have to do with different situations in life. And kind of our theme verse for today is gonna to be 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. So if you have your Bibles, your phone or whatever, but you'll probably wanna reference this in the future. Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthians and to us in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer, live as a Christian, in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them as God has called them. Live as a Christian in whatever situation God has assigned to you. Live as a Christian in whatever situation God's called you to. That's gonna be kind of our umbrella verse for this morning. Now we're gonna kind of do things a little differently today. Not super weird, but a little differently than usual. Every week, we want you to do a couple of things when you leave, either during the sermon or when you leave, and here is what we want you to do. We want you to ask questions based on what we talked about. Now, the big three questions kind of go like this. What does the passage or what does the theme of that morning teach us about God? What does the theme teach me about me and people? And how does the theme or the passage lead us to Jesus? Those are three good questions you should, we should all ask every time we read the Bible, every time we hear a message. But rather than just assume you're going to do it, here's what we did leading up to this service. We sent an email to eight people at Calvary Church, and we asked them to do it beforehand. And you're going to hear some of what they thought and what they put together and what they apply based on the topics. So we're going to look at different people in different situations. Since our theme verse is live as a Christian in whatever situation God has assigned you, we've got some people that are going to look at the situation God has them in and how that may particularly work out for you as it's working out for them. We've got two married couples. That's the situation that God's called many of us to. We've got singles. 
that are going to speak to that situation God assigned. Then we've got two parents and two people that oversee children's ministry here that'll help us think through parenting and how that works. Well, the first uh, four people uh, are made up of two uh, married couples. And we've got one from each end of the spectrum. We've got Paul and Leslie Auckland, and we've got uh, Hannah and Frank Roman. So they're gonna be on video and they're gonna help us understand what these passages are kind of meaning to them, what they've applied and what may look different and be true for us as well. So how long have you guys been married? On August 9th, we'll be married 45 years. Cool, wow. For us on August 12th, it'll be two years. That's awesome. Just, you know, a small difference. (laughs) (laughs) So I I wanna ask you guys a question. You've only been married two years and you've just, your little one came along in December. Yeah. What are some of the greatest challenges you face as a couple or as a parent? I think definitely still making time to foster our friendship in the midst of a wonderful little baby and then just like all the craziness of normal life. You know, and it's a little bit slower now because of COVID, but even before then, like, yeah, just making time to foster that friendship can be tough with all distractions, you know. What is the secret of your marriage? How do we how do, how do we, we get to 40 as two, almost 45 two years. years in get to almost 45? That's a good question, isn't it? That's a great It just kind of happened. I mean, we look back and kind of laugh, but I think that the biggest issue for us was understanding the gospel. And when the, when we understand the gospel right, I understand first of all I'm the problem. She's not the problem, I'm the problem. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so when I accept responsibility for myself, then that puts us in right relationship with each other because we're in right relationship with God. That makes sense? And a, and a big part um, is our communication, just making sure that we keep the lines of communication open, that we're always, you know, try to be in sync with each other and it doesn't always mean that we have to agree on everything but that we just keep our hearts and our minds in tune with each other and um, most of all with God that we we keep a good relationship with God. How's the gospel impacted your marriage? Yeah I mean and we were talking about this this morning and and just uh, like the I guess the response to the gospel I think is uh, humility and uh, just being able to, to come to whatever we might have going on, whether it's an argument, conversation, whatever, uh, with a spirit of humility and, and just trying to understand each other as opposed to uh, like ourselves just being understood. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of just been one of like the big things that's helped us in our marriage. Yeah, and similar to what you guys had said, like knowing when to take a, a break, a timeout, like when to Sometimes you need to, you know, withdraw maybe to calm down and then be able to come back to the table clear-minded and, you know, in that spirit of humility, sometimes it takes a break. That's hard though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. And definitely like knowing like what you need, like being able to say like, oh, this is what I need right now, you know, to be able to do what's best for our marriage. Like I might need a little bit of time. (laughs) And we found, we found this, when we're anger, when we have anger, we either accuse or attack. And that's not that. So we have to take a time out now and then. And I, I think what's what's so cool about, you know, that is, I mean, so many of the things that, that we've 
uh, or that have helped us in, in, in our marriage. We learned in two to one uh, here at Calvary. Uh, and it's just been like really cool to kind of be able to refer back to a lot of the things that we learned in two to one. Yeah, it's just been, it's been amazing to be able to, to just have that as, as a point of reference and being able to, to understand like how to resolve conflict, you know, uh, biblically and uh, that's, yeah. Well, we used to think that you work through the first couple of years of conflict, you, you, you just kind of stay and hang in there and then all of a sudden marriage will just go into kind of cruising mode. And what we discovered is that marriage is constant conflict resolution. It never ends. And if we're willing to resolve the conflict, we can have a great, great marriages are ones that resolve conflict. All right, so I'm going to ask you, how many of you out there are married? Raise your hands. I know it's the important part. Don't look at your spouse, look up here at me. How many of you would agree with Paul and Leslie that marriage is kind of like, constant conflict resolution. Raise your hand. Yeah. Now, I've been married 39 years. I've watched that video a few times this week, so I feel qualified to be able to uh, give you a choice based on what the two couples said. And here's the choice. Are we going to live me first or you first? Are we going to live me first or you first? Now, if you were to read the first half of 1 Corinthians 7, you discover that most of it is about intimacy in marriage. But the principle holds true for all of marriage. Are we going to live a me first life? It's my needs and my concerns and my interests and what I want. Or are we going to live a you first life? How can I meet your needs and meet your interests? How can I come alongside of you and provide for you? Now, it's important for us to say something about those verses because... Notice, it's a you first, not a me first kind of life. But I've often heard people use those verses as a hammer to get their spouse to do what they want their spouse to do. That's exactly the opposite of what Paul's saying. We need to be living a you first, not a me first kind of life. Remember what I said earlier. The first four chapters lay the foundation for the rest of the letter. In the first four chapters, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the gospel, particularly the cross. What does Jesus say on the cross in a nutshell? You first. I'll put your needs ahead of my own. I'll put your interest ahead of my own. I'll put your comfort and pleasure ahead of my own. The gospel is based on you first, not me first. And so I don't care if you're married or not. A tenet of the gospel that Jesus delivered and we need to live out in marriage and all other relationships, you first, not me first. Well, the next two people you're going to meet are two singles. You're going to meet Andrew, you may know up here playing the keyboard, and Michelle, Michelle Roth. They're going to help us understand the situation of singleness. So remember our theme verse, um, Live as a Christian wherever God has assigned you. Live as a Christian in whatever circumstance you're in. Married couples, live as Christians in those marriages. Singles, live as Christians as you live out your singleness in relationship with other people. So how did you feel about when Paul talked about being, being single and staying single? It's kind of hard to hear with the culture we're in because our culture is so... Um, focused on love. I mean, all of our media 
and all of the, the you know shows on TV, it's all centered around relationships and it glorifies a romantic love. I think it's a big pill to swallow in our culture yeah. about marriage. I think um, a lot of us want to get married and I think it's okay to get married. I just think Paul likes to focus more on like the benefits of singleness and how much we can dedicate more time to serving, to building the church up, to all those things, building in relationships and stuff. So I think that's what Paul's more focusing on. For me, the way I find contentment in singleness is by pouring into others with my job here in, in developing musicians and developing um, relationships with students and worship cultures. So how has the church, um, whether it's Calvary or any other church, um, played a positive role in your life as a single? I think uh, the church for me, I've been blessed to grow up in the church, so I've gone through the youth group, which has been really great. It's been a lot of the kids were in my same school district, so we piled around together that way. As getting older, we had a lot of single groups that were part of the church that encouraged us to hang out and grow and do Bible studies together in small groups. So that's always been helpful in building those relationships. And I've kept a lot of those throughout the years. And then, um, yeah, I think the church plays a huge role in our singleness, just in the sense of building that community, building that relationships and encouraging each other. How about you? How, how has the church helped you? Yeah, very similar ways, Calvary, um, but also the churches that I've been to um, before I came to this area. Many of them were community driven. And so to have people to meet with during the week, you know, like a small group to, to discuss the Bible, uh, and to help sharpen each other and grow in, in God's Word, but also people who, you know, had a really terrible week. Uh, hey, Saturday morning, you wanna go get breakfast together? I just need someone to talk to. So Michelle, how would, um, how would you encourage other singles uh, in our community who are struggling with being single? Because, you know, spending this uh, undivided devotion to the Lord with your time that you're not in a relationship, it sounds great, but how do you, how do, you, how do we actually go about doing that well? Yes. Um, and, and finding life in Jesus that way. It can be tough. It's, yeah. it's a hard balance, I feel like. I think it's important why we need to be in a community, build, finding a good church that does encourage singles to meet up and to uh, build those relationships with each other. I think that plays a big part. And then also just willing to serve in your church. I think for me that has been huge, getting to know other people in the church, getting to see other ministries in church, and just keeping yourself busy that way along with being single and trying to find contentment in that way. Live as a Christian in whatever situation God has assigned to you. God has assigned marriage to many of you, and so live a you-first rather than a me-first life. And God has assigned a situation of singleness to some. How should we live? Well, here, watching that video a few times, talking to single friends, here's the uh, comparison or the or statement that I came up with. Live content or in restlessness. Are you going to live a restless or a content life? In fact, uh, that statement kind of... Uh, rings true in a lot of situations, but doesn't it often ring true in singleness? Are you gonna live content or are you gonna live restless? Yeah, I don't know how many people I talk to, whether they're single or not, live, live with this idea. I really can't live as a Christian in the situation I'm in. 
I can't do what God wants me to do. If I'm going to experience fulfillment and I'm going to be able to do what God's called me to do, he first has to change my situation. I'm not sure what they do with 1 Corinthians 7, 17. In whatever situation you're in, live as a Christian. But that's not only true for singles, is it? That's true for every one of us. In fact, have you ever noticed that God most often will not change your situation until you come to a place of acceptance and contentment concerning that situation? Whether it's a house you live in, whether it's a job you have, whether it's a particular circumstance, God often will not change the situation or circumstance until we accept it and find contentment in it. And then it's as if we free God up to change it. Do you live content or restless? Do you look around at your situation, your circumstance, and you long for something different? God, I'd be so much better off that. Well, wait a minute. If God's sovereign and God's loving We all must be in the situations we're in because of God's love and God's sovereignty. So live as a Christian in whatever situation you're in. Good advice, not just for singles, for all of us. What are some challenges that you think families in our culture face today? Busyness, overscheduling, Uh, running around, um, basically just living day to day because uh, right now it's busy life. A lot of things going on, especially in this season of COVID and coming out of at-home learning and having to partner with schools in in a different way while at the same time balancing work in that, uh, potentially unemployment in that, um, single parenting in that and other challenges that may come up with just regular family. Yeah, and I would say blended families as well poses a challenge, especially in the season we just came through. Um, I think the comparison game of consistently comparing and having you know social media at our fingertips and being able to kind of have a peek into an idealistic window of what every other family looks like, I think can be challenging for families as well. You know, families may have, parents may have in regards to the education side of things. Uh, like what, what are some of those things that you see um, in your own experience at home, working with your kids, uh, as well as what you've seen through engaging with your families uh, that you work at, with through Calvary? Yeah, so I think, you know, parents are constantly uh, trying to figure out how they fit in, what their role is as parents in uh, their child's education, how involved to be with the school, how involved to be with homework. Uh, as we've gone through this period of time. At the same time, uh, things are shifting rapidly and um, as students try to engage in the different activities that their teachers are asking them to do, whether they're in the classroom or at home, uh, whether they have a disability and they're on, you know, have an IEP or a 504 or they're in the regular education classroom, um, there's significant challenges in the at-home learning as well as um, you know, learning in the classroom, in schools, and parents really have to uh, be intentional about how they're engaging with their kids, engaging with their teachers um, to, to help their, help their kids um, both educationally and socially, emotionally, um, adjust to the different stages that they, that they move through as they move through preschool and elementary, middle school and high school and on to whatever is beyond. So, you know, as you look at 1 Corinthians, there's a lot that 
we can apply to our parenting. Uh, one of the things that you know Paul emphasizes in there is a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know as as we think about that from a, a Calvary Kids perspective, uh, we believe that having that as our foundation, you know, just makes parenting better. Our relationship with our children comes out of our relationship with the Lord, and as He loves us, then we can love our children in the ways that He wants us to love them. Yeah, I think that's so important how that has applied for me over the years is I, I'm a blended family. My wife and I were married and and she was had a previous marriage and there were you know two boys that she had and just amazing young men now that are 23 and 25 which is hard to believe wow. but when we were when we first got married they were nine and eleven and walking into a scenario with a single mom and 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 boys especially boys are you know, bring their own challenges and things like that. You know, one of the best things that my wife and I had going through that is we were unified in our faith. And it was a it was it was very challenging those those years with our with our boys and it, it, if you've walked that that journey, you've taken that journey as a as a step a step parent in a blended family, uh, there are many challenges that come with that. And so Remaining grounded in our faith as parents uh, helped us to understand that today may not go the way we want it to go because of the challenges that we faced as a blended family, uh, but there's tomorrow and we, we trust in the Lord as, as we, we bring our family before Him in prayer uh, and uh, try to live our lives as examples to our kids and, and love them where they're at, what their challenges are, what they're going through. I think we need to be so intentional and and also keeping that idea of, you know, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Lord and how that is the center of our families um, and then kind of build from there. What does our schedule allow? I think that's very helpful as we look at, you know, patterns and family rhythms and, and what works for right now. Dave and Jen work in children's ministry and bridge here at Calvary Church. And so they've got lots of experience in their own families as parents, but also working with all of our kids and lots of parents here at Calvary Church. You know, one of the things I kept thinking of in watching the video and thinking about parenting is the two metaphors that Paul talked about earlier, architecture and agriculture, remember? Some of those same principles apply when it comes to parenting. What were some of the principles? Growth is desirable and expected. Growth can be stunted. There can be obstacles. Growth is slow and requires patience. And so here's kind of the or statement uh, that I'm putting after parenting. Fast and frantic or slow and steady. Now, look, I'm not saying... Uh, that we don't need to be intentional and proactive. Surely we do in our marriages, as parents, in all of our relationships. But slow and steady is the right way to go. Remember in the old days when I used to play small ball in baseball? How did it go? Slow and steady. Everybody gets on base. Everybody walks. And the runs keep coming around the plate. Rather than every day, rather than every experience as a parent, you have to hit a home run or a grand slam. Slow and steady. Make wise decisions you build long-term relationships, slow and steady, not fast and frantic. You know, we have people at Calvary Church in every one of those situations that we looked at today. 
In fact, we have people at Calvary Church in different situations than those three that are mentioned. And so we need to love and care for, encourage and support people in all of those different situations because we are one body with different members and the different members are in different situations. So we need to be praying for our married couples, praying and encouraging our parents as they work with kids, praying, encouraging and building relationships with singles here at Calvary Church. We've got members of Calvary in all of those situations and lots of others, but we're one body. But you know what? The three statements that actually come after each of them, that we need to live you first, not me first. We need to live slow and steady, not fast and frantic. We need to live content, not restless lives, being Christians in the situations that God's assigned us. Those aren't only true for the people in the situations. They're true for every one of us. We are all called to live you first, not me first. As we follow Jesus, we are all to be content knowing that God is sovereign and God's loving. And we are to live slow, obedient, steadfast lives, slow and steady, not fast and frantic, you know, getting all lathered up and worked up over this and that, slow and steady following Jesus. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we give you thanks for the people that we saw in the videos and we heard from this morning that represent three segments of Calvary's body. Lord, forgive us for not even recognizing or thinking about what those different situations may look like or feel like. Lord, help us to lift our eyes a little bit, to see that there are others in situations and circumstances that we're not in. Help us to think of how we can encourage them, how we can pray for them, how we can provide ministries for them. And Lord, help us in our situation, whatever that may be, to live as followers of Jesus, living a you-first life, living a content life, and living a life in which we slowly and steadily follow Jesus, whose mission we want to continue and grow and build as we live. We pray in his name. Amen.